This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the No Name Ever podcast and this week we've got a very special episode in that we have a special guest. Now, not to gloss over Rich, good evening Rich. Good evening George, um, I'm very I'm very well tonight, how are you? Yeah, brilliant, I think that must be, I think we'll have some uh, post, post-match editing from that but it must be the slowest <laughs> response to me I've ever seen, Rich, no, Rich I is couldn't, just uh, playing with his phone. I couldn't get the mute button off so I'll, I'll leave it off from now on. <laughs> A brilliant start to the proceedings, but in, in brighter news, we have got a special guest tonight in, Co- in Comscam special, Andy Hodgson. Welcome to the Nordic Never podcast. I am sorely disappointed with myself, gentlemen, and I'd like to begin by apologising because I don't have an ironing board behind me, uh, nor a <laughs> cricket bat, nor any of the assorted memorabilia that you two seem to have. So I'm just rubbish. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have we have got. Um... An, an assortment of, of display behind me and Rich tonight, uh, listeners, in that I'm at, back at home in, in Barrow with in the most spare room of all spare rooms, got an ironing board, a cricket bat. Um, so we've been discussing that before the podcast, but I suppose we'd better get into the actual meat on the bone, which is football tonight and the FA Cup in particular. Now, this past weekend saw a brilliant win for Burnley away at Bournemouth. Um, Premier League opposition, um, a really good test for the team and Rich, I'll go to you first. Just in general, what were your thoughts on the, the performance, especially given that we are, you know, a championship team nowadays away at a, a Premier League side like Bournemouth? Well, it was almost like the roles were reversed, wasn't it? It was like we was the Premier League team and they was the championship side. Other than, you know, Cullen giving away a silly pass, and which, you know, obviously we can come on to Tim Sherwood's um, very narrow-minded views, I think, on, on the way Burnley play. I think we were just almost in complete control. You've got to remember as well, we we made changes to that, you know, to our team. We didn't have our first choice striker, missing our captain. Miss, you know, our first choice centre-half went off injured very early on and we played a young player who's hardly had any minutes. Second choice goalie, first choice left-back wasn't playing, even though Chet Taylor's obviously a very good deputy. And it's just a fantastic performance, wasn't it? And it's just... I keep, you know, when I come on these podcasts, I keep saying it, it's just thoroughly enjoyable to watch. And, you know, we've got two wingers who are just so excited in Zeruri and Benson. And, you know, you talk about tricky wingers and the uh, lack of end product. 
Benton and Tarubi's really got that so composed with the finish. And then your mate, Barnes, George, again, you know, rolling rolling back the years. And, you know, that pass he made was, you know, was an exquisite, it, wasn't it? Ashley De Bruyne there with the, you know, the ball through to Benton and that pretty much sealed it, uh, sealed the game. And, you know, similar to all that we've done in a lot of games, we saw the game out relatively comfortably. And it's like Bournemouth give up after maybe 20 minutes ago thinking we've got no chance. So, yeah, just... Really enjoyable afternoon on the South Coast, except for the weather. But you can't have everything, can you? Now, Andy, no. our listeners will probably best know you at the moment for your appearances on Coms Camp and giving your enthusiastic reactions. But one of which stood out for me at the Bournemouth game was, it's too easy, it's too easy. <laughs> so was it, Andy, was it too easy for the uh, championship table toppers like us going to Bournemouth and uh, putting on the display like that? Yeah, I thought the whole thing was entirely predictable. Um I chatted to a couple of Bournemouth fans last week and uh, and they were saying, well, you know, we're going to turn around our season here because we're going to beat championship opposition, get a few goals, that'll kick us on in the Premier League, that's how we survive. And I think I paused for five seconds and then went, really? Do you think so? I went, honestly, you couldn't even name half of our team, could you? Go on, name half of our team. No one can, because no one's heard of them. You don't even know what's coming, mate. And he went, well... No, I mean, you know, we're capable of scoring. We've got Solanke and, uh, you know, and Billing can, you know, he's tall, he can create problems. Uh, and I went, yeah, you're just wrong. Uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, we're such a powerhouse at the moment and we're playing such good football. I don't see any problem. I'm just counting how many goals it might be and it's going to be depressing for you. And sure enough, that's the way it kind of turned out. I mean, it was uh, opposition that a Premier League in name but that's it. Uh, they are playing championship-style football. They're in disarray. I went out with a mate of mine afterwards who's who's got a box at Bournemouth, watches every home game, and he was booing his own team after the second goal. Uh, and he said, it's just it's just a mess. I mean, you know, we're clearly going to go down if this carries on. So uh, so it was, it was easy. I mean, it really was. And even when we let in the silly goal, the first one, you kind of go, ah, oh, be all right. And even when the, the second goal goes in, and, and normally the old days of Burnley, you'd go, oh, no, what's going to happen here? I was quite relaxed and thought, no, oh, no, oh, be all right, we'll turn it on in a minute. And sure enough, we did. So uh, I found it fairly relaxed viewing, although there were a few mistakes in there, which is unusual for us. It was still super sexy football. <laughs> it is bizarre watching us this season. In that it, it is like you've taken all the anxiety out of football in a way because it feels that comfortable at times. And I've said that on the podcast before. But uh, Rich, I think for me, the first... I, I went into the game thinking, OK, we're, we're really good at the moment. But again, Bournemouth, you know, Premier League side, in their own ground as well. I thought they'd put up quite a bit of a, a struggle. So then when the when our first goal went in, it was almost like, oh yeah, we are, we are the better team here. Now that first goal, there was a lot of talk before the game and I know, I know you, you're you an advocate for starting Scott's wide, but I wanted to point out Goodmanson's role in, in making that first chance and what were your overall thoughts on how easy that first half was and perhaps whether company got his team selection right? Yeah, there's just kind of a, a main point and there's a subtle answer to you know to give about twine which I will give my view on um it, it, it's just a typical Burnley goal isn't it this season I think when we press teams they really struggle to deal with our in, intensity with you know we put them under pressure you know going back to what Andy said you know it, it was a Premier League side in in name like they didn't rest a lot of key players in my opinion or like you said Billings a good player Solanke you know some of the main guys were playing 
And yeah, it's a lovely pass from Gunmanson, wasn't it? And what I loved about Benson, I want you know, when you know you look at someone like Darwin Nunes at, at, at the moment, who looks very tentative in, in front of goal. He was just so clinical, so committed. He had one thing in his mind. I'm just going to smash this in the roof of the net. If there was two goalies and both of them were on step ladders, you know, the ball would have still gone in. And I think, you know, you look at Benson from the start of the season to now and what company and his coaching staff and the confidence they've given him is, you know, it's just, it's like chalk and cheese, isn't it? You know, he looked like a bit of a quick winger, a bit of pace, but now he's just so clinical and ruthless in front of goal and, I think including FA Cup goals is our leading scorer, I think, this year. I think I'm right in that. And, you know, going back to Gunmanson, listen, we know Gunmanson's quality. You know, Gunmanson's been a top player. I still think he'd be playing in the Premier League if he didn't suffer with injuries. He's so cultured, never gives the ball away. The argument is, you know, to the game between Twine and Gunmanson, you, you, you know what Gunmanson's going to give you. You know, we're with Twine. Oh. It's a very difficult one because, you you know, you've got to trust company. You know, and of course, we all trust company. But I still think as a fan, you're allowed to have a little bit of a discussion around it because what's the point, you know, in, in being a football fan if you can't have an, an, an opinion at all because we wouldn't be on here doing this chat. And it just seemed like a really good opportunity, in my opinion, to play twine. You know, company come out and defended him in the press and say his time will come. And I think it's just one we've got to be patient. I think I'm just very, very, as you know, George, I have watched quite a bit of Scott Twine. I know I sent you that tweet out. How many times I've seen him play quite a lot. You know, I've followed his progress, uh, you know, from MK Dons. And I'm just very exciting to see him play for Burnley. I think that's what the frustration is. Just want to just want to see him play and, and see what he can do in this magnificent team. But yeah, no my arguments with, with government at all. He's a quality player and he can play different positions. Yeah, certainly. I, I think, think, George, uh, George oh, I, I think Richard appears to be some form of stalker. Uh, he's followed him all the way from Oxford. I think he's been outside his house. That's clearly what's That's happened. That's what I heard. I mean, Swindon, yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird, this whole thing. Uh, I mean, the thing about Scott Twine is he's, he's made, what, three appearances in 23 minutes. They know what he can do on the training pitch, but putting him on the pitch, there's a load of players before him that they yeah. definitely know what they can do. And that's why he's not played him, because it's kind of like, well, there's no rush. And if injuries yeah. come, he'll be straight in there, no doubt about it. But the, we've kind of got two in every position that you go, don't worry about it. Even Luke McNally comes on and you think, now this might be a bit of a problem. Uh, and even then, 10 minutes of looking a bit nervous and some of the players yeah. going, hang on, I'll put it the other way rather than his way. Uh, the odd the odd mistake, but he's, he's not played really at that level. And after that, he looked quite accomplished. So you go, hang on, he's done it again. You've got two players in every position that we don't get nervous about. So when do you bring on Twine? As soon as there's an injury. But up to that point, we don't really need him at the moment. Yeah, you're right. And and I think the, the point with Benson is that Benson at the start of the season, we remember there was the whole conversation, should he be starting? Should he just keep being this impact player off the sub? And now the thought of leaving him on the bench at the start of the game just seems... Seems early and he, he's playing that well. Andy, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on, I, I know it's hard to compare, but Benson or Zorori, which, which player have you been most impressed by? Because I think if you'd have asked everyone maybe a couple of months ago, Zorori was, was, was the man, but Benson just keeps knocking out incredible performances. And we're both scoring two at the weekend. Uh, which winger is, is your flavour of the month at the moment? Well, they are both 10 out of 10, without, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I couldn't take any points off. If you had, to, if you had to force me to separate them, I love some of Zorori's finishes. I love the fact when he gets in front of the defender, his legs say I'm going that way, his head says I'm going that way, and then his body does something entirely different, and then he ends up in the box 
And the way he can score, I love the way he scores across the keeper all the time. It's often right over there where the keeper goes, oh, no, every single one. Just just the bit you can't get it into as an average Joe playing football. You know, it's just, it's Premier League delivery. Uh, Benson, he's tricky as well, but fractionally less tricky. And he can smash it in and he can go left and right as well, but not as much. So I, I love the, uh, the almost, the, the super confidence. Oh, call, could you call it arrogance? What the heck? Yeah. So Zerori just tips it for me because of those whipping it over the keeper instead of the more obvious stuff. It's certainly a nice problem to have. I think for me, Benson, Benson is my favourite just because I think maybe the left footed, the way he, he can start from a standard position, drop a shoulder and suddenly he's past any fullback that they play against. And Rich, going up against, like we said, Premier League fullbacks at the weekend, you know how I've put to be honest, I was a bit disappointed by how we played at United. It just felt sometimes a bit timid. Whereas I think against the Premier League defenders at the weekend, Zorori and Benson showed that there's nothing to worry about next season. Touch wood if we were to go up and face Premier League defenders week in, week out. Yeah, definitely not. Bournemouth's left back, I think Zamora it, it, it was. I don't know where they've dragged him from. He looked like a part player at, at times against Benton. He really struggled, didn't he? Uh, but yeah, they just couldn't they just couldn't cope with them. And ben, Benton's pace is just electrifying. Like that's something you can't teach, you can't coach. It, and, and it's just raw ability. And I know Tom in our podcast says about Adama Traore, if he could actually play football, he'd be good at football. But like Benton can actually play football and I'm kind of looking at it and going, Benson's 25 and I know players develop at different years. And, you know, Zerabi's 22, so, he, you know, so he, he's not a young, young lad. It's amazing we've got them for the prices that we've had. You know, six, maybe six, seven million for the two of them when all the deals fully completed with add-ons. And I suppose that's the power of recruitment, isn't it? And listen, it, it, it will be a big step up when they play against Premier League opposition week in, week out. You know, you talked about Man United there. Uh, you know, they are playing championship players. In my opinion, Bournemouth, even though they've gone up, they've not recruited properly, you know, really have this. Largely a championship side, albeit a team that comes second last season. So the, the test will come there. And then going back to another winger, and if you said this after 15, 20 games, it, it, he'll be on the bench, is Nathan Teller. We're, you know, we're, we're all desperate for him not to go back to Southampton. But as it stands, he's probably our third choice winger. And that just shows the unbelievable strength in depth we've gotten. Look at it in our last two Premier League seasons, we were playing Eric Peters out wide. And you just think, yeah, it, it, like Andy said at the beginning, it's just amazing to think where we've come from in such a short space of time. It's almost pinch yourself, really. Yeah, and that, that strength in depth certainly came to our aid at the weekend. I mean, we haven't mentioned yet that Taylor Howard Bellis unfortunately hobbled off injured and we had Bailey Peacock Farrell in goal ahead of Murich, giving Murich a rest. Uh, Andy, how do you feel... Peacock Farrell and especially Luke McNally when he came on. How how are those players looking for you? You know, is it time to impress, especially for McNally because he's not had a lot of game time, uh, understandably behind Howard Bellis all season. Yeah, I, I think McNally uh, is obviously a risk because he's not had this level of exposure. Um, I, I, companies put him on because he's confident. He's got to get more confident on the ball. The first thing he did, I thought, when he came on was uh, uh, Robert started pushing up the wing and he went straight to the... I mean, he's literally on the line and he was in a position that he looked alien in and he made a couple of passes and lost the ball a couple of times and I thought, uh-oh, 10 minutes in, you know, he got the confidence and he was absolutely fine. So he, he looks like he'll be all right. He, lo he looked accomplished by the end of the game and, and no worries. Um, 
As for the keepers, I, I think when Murich isn't playing, it does make me go, oh no, uh, because he's so good. And it, it's actually, it's it's not derogatory to whoever else goes in goal. It's just that he's so exceptional. And I've, I've said to a number of people about this Burnley team, um, what's amazing now is we've got players from the goalkeeper onwards that can probably score a spectacular goal and beat every player halfway down the pitch at the same time. And that starts with Murich. So when he plays, I know when he first came and we started playing out from the back, I was like, oh my God, this is going to go wrong. Give it, give, it, give it a couple of matches and we'll be like, we're not doing this anymore. And now, of course, quite happy that they're going to play across the goal and back. You know, and the Cullen mistake was a real surprise because that's what we do now and I'm quite relaxed about it. So anybody else that goes in goal makes me nervous and nobody is a patch on the man. So, um, you know, Peacock Farrell, his distribution isn't quite as pinpoint accurate when he goes long. Sometimes it goes to the other keeper, which is a wasted ball. Sometimes when he's going long and he gets it to uh, towards the player, doesn't quite get to the player. And sometimes at the back, He'll, he'll miss a few. Now, is that because he just needs more game time? It possibly is. And again, your confidence grows the more you do it. And, and that's possibly all it is. Um, but I do prefer Murich, I must be honest. But he can't play every game. So um, let's, give the, let's give the others a bit of confidence. I tend to agree. I know I mentioned earlier how there's a sort of lack of anxiety watching us this season. But the only time I do really feel a bit nervous is when Funnily enough, Murich isn't starting because all of a sudden ev everything, the way we play, is built from playing out from the back. But when it's another keeper in goal, it all just looks a little bit more nervous. You know, it's, it's not going to be as accurate because Peacock Fowl is not the same level of distribution as, as Murich. And Rich, I think we saw the perils of playing out from the back, didn't we, with Bournemouth's equaliser in the first half. And to be honest, it came from a player that I wouldn't have expected to give yeah. the ball away in, in Josh Cullen. Yeah, listen, it wasn't that was Cullen's fault, wasn't it? But that happens in football, you know, and I'm I don't care. If we if we can see the goal like that on Saturday, I, I'm not really bothered because the amount well, I would be bothered if we see it in the last minute and we lost, of course, but like that's the that's the that's the way we play and, and we get so much benefit from playing that way. It, and I I, just, I actually don't feel nervous with Murich on the ball now anymore. I feel more nervous Murich coming out for crosses. If the ball, if, if there's a high ball under him, I still think that's an area of his game he's got to improve. I just love Rob uh, Murich's little chip balls to the fullback. They're just lovely, aren't they? You know, they just dissect that defender and it just sets us off on that attack. I, I personally think Peacock Fowler's done absolutely fine when he's played for us this season. I think he's made some good saves. He even nearly pulled off a great save for Bournemouth's second goal and the ball unfortunately just rebounded back to Solanke. But as Andy rightly said, he's just not quite as good with a ball that hit ball at his feet. But not many goalies are, are they? It, it is a rare art to have. And um, like you know, like I said, Murich is you know he's one of the first names on the team sheet now, and I think that shows what a good manager is. Murich had a bit of a shaky start. Company fully believed in him, fully believed in his style of play, how he wants to play, and I think we've adapted to the championship as well. I think. Overall, we we do go a little bit more direct now if it's if it's not on, and you know when we can hit that option. But yeah, Murich is just someone who's getting better and better for me. And I think when he solves that issue of just being a little bit more commanding in his area, I think that, you know I think he can take his um, you know goalkeeper to the next level. Talking of getting better and better, uh, it brings up one name, Ashley Barnes. I mean, I'm I'm a massive fan, and, and you know Rich more than anyone. I'm a massive fan of Barnes. And but that being said, we all knew at the 
start the season, he, he wasn't playing too well. There was question marks, does he fit into the system? Is his time passed? But Andy, you've got to say he had a really good performance again against Bournemouth, didn't he, at the weekend? Yeah, held it up in all the right places, but it was his passes through uh, that, you know, last season you wouldn't have expected it because, that well, all the time he's been with Burnley, you actually expect uh, he's got his back to goal, he's waiting for the defender to hit him, he rolls over and says, hey, ref, I've just been done again, and we get a free kick. And that was his main play, really, wasn't it? Um, and this season, you know, well, against Bournemouth, you know, some of those uh, balls into him where he's turned and, and, and hit it before you've even thought about it in, and sliced it through a fractional space for us to get goals. Um, that was just superb. And he, he's improved his game under company. That's that's quite clear. And proved he's not just a one-trick pony, um, which, which, you know, we had to be for years because that was the way Dyche played and we had some great success out of that. Um but I, you know, I suspect every single player that's left and getting in the team, they're still they're just relishing the opportunity. It's like Connor Roberts, you know, Connor Roberts can play football. Josh Brownhill can play football, but in the dice weight, the keepers in the Premier League, they weren't really allowed a lot of the time. There was the old glimmer of yeah, go for it now, now get back as quick as you can. So they've all got a new way of playing football, which is delightful. And uh, I, I hope that Ashley sticks around and and we don't sign anybody in January so that he can carry on doing that because he, he's got a great part to play with us and uh, and getting promotion will be delightful for him. It would be a nice coming full circle, his first season getting promoted from the Championship and then were it to happen under company this season. Uh, you just mentioned then the way that the players are probably enjoying this new style of football. But I think one of the most important bits of the last few months for me is the way we've managed to take the hallmarks of a dice team and being able to see out a win. And all of a sudden, from maybe October, November, when we were conceding silly goals and it really wasn't going our way, we've suddenly got this sort of professional element about us where we can now see out games. And Rich, obviously, at the weekend against Bournemouth, we managed to score the fourth goal, as we've mentioned, through Barnes's brilliant pass to Benson. But after that, the game was pretty settled, wasn't it? And the way we were able to see it out was just indicative of the sort of the strides that have been made forward by a company's team yeah. in the last few months. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're we're a little bit more pragmatic now. I think just I know Matson didn't play on on the weekend, but it's just an example. I, I think we conceded a goal against Bournemouth when Matt was it Matson and Bettini always taking a throw in, just like way up in into the opposition half, and we got caught on the counter. We're now I've I've noticed when we're winning, you know, the fullbacks aren't quite, you know, on on the overlap at the same intensity. You know, we're willing to pass the ball about a little bit more and. We've we've got a little bit more toughness to us, you know. You need a little bit of steel to you know to get through certain games in the championship. You know, Stoke and Swansea give us a far better game than what Bournemouth did at the weekend. I thought the Stoke game in particular was really tough. We had to grind it out. And again, going going back to our mate Murich, he, he made a a real fantastic save from a, from a corner in that half. And I think that helps, doesn't it? You know, you got two young lads who have come together in a partnership. One from Germany, one from City. You know, Bayer's never seen this type of physicality before and it does take a little bit of time and you see them both now, they're both so commanding and I can't lie, Howard Bellis will be a loss. Hopefully it's not too serious, um, but we're not sure on on that yet. Um, you know, and whoever comes in, I would personally play Taylor, but again, I wouldn't be too disappointed if, if Matt Nally does play. I still think Matt Nally's got a lot to learn. You know, he's, he's got ability, but he's very raw. So, yeah, it's just, and, and winning breeds confidence, doesn't it, George? And when you're conceding late goals, 
you drop that little bit deeper. You're maybe not as confident to pass the ball around. Where now it's like, right, we're winning. You know, we're winning by a goal with 20 minutes left. No panic. We'll knock it around. Um, you know, we'll be a little bit more pragmatic. You know, even stuff like company bringing Taylor on for Matson when they're pumping them long diagonal balls into the box. So I think company's learned his lessons there. And yeah, it's just kind of. It feels like I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because there is still a long way to go this season. But we look like almost a complete team for this level. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead moving forward. But for this level, we can we can score goals, we can defend, got quality midfielders, we can hit people on the break, we can now break teams down when they're sitting that little bit deeper. Yeah, so it's just very exciting times, and yeah, it's just a it's it's a team we can just be really proud of to have. Yeah, I definitely echo those thoughts and. Um... I know we've talked about the FA Cup today, but you did just mention the league there, Rich. Um, Andy, one thing that I've noticed is a sort of changing, there's a changing discourse around Burnley at the moment. When I went on Radio Lancashire last week, a lot of the questions were asking me, do you think Burnley can get to the 100 points mark? Is that something, the way we've seen this team progress over the last few months, is that something that's possibly achievable? Because only five other teams in Championship history have ever, have ever done that. Yeah, I, I got asked this question last week. And uh, they said, do you think you'll break the, the points record? And I said, well, I can't remember what the record is. Is it a million points? Because we'll not be far off that the way we're going. Um, I, I, I think you can be confident. Um, the, I, I think the only thing that can go wrong is we have a ton of injuries. And, you know, suddenly we're, we're Watford and we're struggling because we haven't got any players. Um, but we have a second string that could play first string so it doesn't worry me. Whereas past seasons, you know, you, you're coming off the subs bench and you're going, oh, who would you bring on? I don't know. Give us a minute. Uh, whereas now you go, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. He's just got to choose. You know, there's a, there's half the players are going, no, oh, I'm not getting on this week. So I am supremely confident that nobody susters out yet, apart from the slightly more robust style of Sheffield United. Um, and you've got to have a physical makeup in your side to decide to play how they play. So if nobody susters out to now, um, we should be absolutely fine. In fact, what they do now is fear us. They set up to try and stop us playing football. They, some of them tried that early on in the season where they'd you know, give someone a kick on both wings and see if that slowed them down. Uh, you can't do that because you end up with a yellow card at, you know, in the first 20 minutes. And so teams stop doing that. Um, so how do you stop us? I mean, the goals can come from anywhere. You know, Connor Roberts can score, Matson can score, frankly, Taylor can score. Yeah, I thought he played great at the weekend. Uh, the, the two, you know, Howard Bellis can score. Uh, you know, with the, Ashley Barnes and Rodriguez, they're the last ones I'm mentioning because that's obvious. And then you've got your wingers and then Josh Brownhill's early uh, quality. You know, it looked like he was going to score every game near the start of the season. So, by God, if you can't have confidence about this team, I don't know which team you can. You know, you think about However long you've been a Burnley fan, have you ever seen anything like it? We are mini Man City and I'm just relishing the time when we play real Man City to see how that works out. Uh, will we lose 5-0 like we always used to? Maybe not now. Well, I must say personally, I'm glad we didn't draw Man City in the next round of the FA Cup. Yeah, true. <laughs> which, which does bring us nicely onto the, onto the Ipswich away draw. Now, Rich, what were your first your very first thoughts when that ball came out that well, when we drew obviously, it. Yeah, so when you're hearing the numbers come out and whatever number Ipswich was, you think, oh, and it's number 11, you do think, bloody hell, Ipswich away. It's a bit of a... It's a real difficult one because we should get through. You know, you can't say it's not getting through that round because I think 
this this company team, you know, they really have got that mentality where they won't take it easy against anyone. You know, they like to, you know, keep their foot, uh, you know, keep the foots on the throat. So, you know, we might be able to rest a few players and still put in a really good performance. Uh, and you kind of get through to the last 16 then. I think the next round's the last 16. And then you kind of think, oh, OK, you know, a few games away from the quarters, Wembley. But I, I, I'd have really liked to like to see us against a home at home to a Premier League side again. Maybe not a, a Man City or you know, I know Liverpool have got a replay. But do, do you know no, like a Fulham? No, well yeah. No, but do you know just that kind of do you know that like mid level team who probably will be our level that we'll be competing against next year just to see actually what we're going to be like. And we're kind of looking ahead to play these Premier League teams with the team we've got now. But think about this team with another five, six, seven players which we will inevitably bring in in the summer. So that's what's really exciting too. So the draw is a bit like, we're, but at least we should get through. And I think that sums it up, really. Yeah, we really should. There's, there is a ruthless nature to this team at the moment where it just seems like we got knocked down once by Sheffield United and early have gone Watford early in the season, but it just seems like every week we're just pounding out another good performance, another victory, which does lend itself to a cup run. Now, Andy, do you think a cup run in the FA Cup is important, especially seeing as we're confident of getting promoted, or is it something that maybe, you know, mentioning injuries earlier, it's something you'd slightly le- like to see us avoid? Uh, no, I'm I'm confident. If we get a bunch of average teams till the late stages and then play Man City in the final, that'll suit me. Um, I think Vincent and company would want to do well in the FA Cup. You know, he's, he's not gone, oh, let's forget this, I want to get promoted. Let's put out a real second string side. Uh, he's not played the, the players that he doesn't need to risk. Scott Twine being one of them. Um, so he's up for the cup. And I think we could have a really good run. So Ipswich are what, third in League One. And so they're doing all right. But they're playing, you know, teams like Plymouth Argyle. So that should be fine. And, and then, you know, there's still some rubbish teams in it. So if we can get another one of them, I'm fine. I don't want to test until we get to the semi-final. Then I'd take Fulham and then Man City in the final and it's 1-1. And then Zorori just cuts in, jinxes if he's going left, turns right and then swings it past the keeper. There you go. That's my vision for the future. <laughs> you don't ask for much, Andy, do you? You don't ask for much at all. Rich, do you, do you sign up to those terms? Listen, if that happens, yeah, Andy's a genius, isn't it? We'll all be on the Andy train, man. <laughs> 
to probably the topic of the day at the moment, the January transfer window, but in particular, some interesting rumours surrounding former, sort, sort of a former Burnley striker, Valt Veghorst. Now, Veghorst was uh, in some ways a not particularly a fan favourite whilst he was at, at Burnley last season, signed in January, uh, obviously for £12 million by Dice when we needed needed to replace Chris Wood, we needed to try and keep ourselves in the Premier League and for a brief spell, personally, I thought it looked as though Vegos could be that guy to to help us see us over the line. I remember the, the goal away at Brighton. But things didn't work out. He moved to Beskistas on loan in search of a World Cup place. And here we here we sit six months later and Rich, it seems as though Vegos might be on the brink of moving to Manchester United. It's a yeah, remarkable turn of events. Yeah, he's an enigma, isn't he, Aud Valt? Um Listen, I think he's a good player in, in there. I think if you play to his strengths, I know you can't just build a team around the play all the time, but we tried to replace Wood with Vegas, hitting them channel balls, and, hitting it, and and he's not that type of player. He's he's very good with his feet, and he's a you know typical Dutch player, isn't he? Very very technical. You know, and he scored two fantastic goals in the World Cup against the World Cup winners. You know that second goal, the free kick, and you know and the way he took it and finished it was you know was outstanding. And I bet when that two goals went in about Alan Pace was rubbing his hands together to be honest knowing that interest would come but I didn't think interest would come from Man United it sounds like it's a bit of a a bit of a love triangle between us Besiktas and uh, United to get it done but I ultimately think there's this much noise about around it and a lot of the time when a club like Man United wants a player and they're dealing with lesser clubs I'd say Besiktas are a bigger club than us but in terms of the, the statue in Turkey but when they're dealing with lesser clubs, they normally get, if they want the man, they normally get the man, don't they? And for them, it's kind of, they maybe don't want to commit until a striker in the summer. He's not going to start every game for them. They've got Europa League commitments and, it, and it's a different outlet to what they've got. So, you know, what? good luck to them. And I'm sure, I don't know what the deal will be. But again, I think Mr Pace will be quite happy with it, quite happy with what's happening with Man United's interest because... Burnley aren't going to do this this deal if there's not going to be a you know a few shiny cards at the end of the rainbow. And if he does well at United, again he puts himself in the shot window, doesn't he? And so and then going back to the January transfer window, it maybe gives us a little bit more clout in, in in signing players. Yeah, I tend to agree, Rich, in that I I personally I, I do like Vegas and I liked him as a player. Now it didn't quite work out with us, but you could tell there was certainly a good footballer there. I think what was most interesting for me is for such a big lad, six foot six, when the ball did come to his feet, he was capable of play, playing it off. And I think, you know, in, a, in another parallel world, he could have played a big role for us this season under company and perhaps that'll come in the future. But Andy, what, what were your thoughts on Vegos whilst he was at Burnley, then going to Peshkisas? And do you think he's the, he's the right fit for a team like United or does it stink of desperation from a, a club that can't afford to sign anybody else this this January? Yeah, I think he's a tricky one. Uh, I think he's a tricky one for anyone. Um, when he came, I was amazed because he was talking. I remember the Brighton game. And I, re- I, I remember saying to, to Phil Bird, look at this. Where's this guy been? He's, t- he's, he's at everyone. He's coming back. He's shouting out. The, wow. And look at the impact he's having. And for a couple of games, he had that impact. And then it just disappeared. And you have to wonder, uh, you know, there were lots of players when we were getting relegated that went, hey, it's not for me. I need to play in the national side and therefore I need to play at the top level. He allegedly was told that, you know, Nick Pope knew he had to get out in order to go on uh, and be in the England team. So I don't think bad of him for that. But 
the few bits that I've seen, you know, when uh, when Wales played the Netherlands and, and Connor Roberts said, why wouldn't you like that for us? And his response, and, you know, he's looking after himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Ronaldo, he does that. He looks after himself. That's quite clearly the model he's following. Uh, but that's a tricky human dynamic to fit into a team. And what Vincent Company's done is pulled together a load of hungry young lads who are playing for each other without anybody going, I'm the big I am, have a look at me. I mean, you can see that. That's a compact unit. When you drop a bit of oil on water, that might not work. And I, and I think he, he has that tendency to be a bit too, have a look at me. I'm Ibrahimovic. I am Ronaldo, which is why the United scenario, he'll be absolutely loving. Uh, whether it goes ahead or not, I mean, this is this is the point where, you know, the lads in Turkey go, I want a bit of this. Uh, the lads in Burnley go, we'll have a bit of this. And Man United go, we've got another Ronaldo. Oh, have we? And is he as good? Oh, uh. and is he proven? He's had his glimmers. He was great at Wolfsburg. And, you know, the World Cup, yes, I saw it. But I don't know. I mean, the jury's out for me. It's not a dead cert. I wouldn't put my house on him being an absolute success at Manchester United. No, I, th- I think I, I, t- I tend to agree in that. The Premier League, for some, the Premier League YouTube channel put a video out today about Vegos's finest moments as a Premier League player. And for, somehow it was three minutes long. Now, I, I, I liked Vegos when he was at Burnley, but I'm not sure I could, I, even I could fit together three minutes of what positive uh, influences he had on the game. Uh, Rich, do you, do you worry <clears throat> in a sense that whilst this deal is going to be some ways hopefully financially benefit beneficial for us do you worry that this might distract us from what what we need to do ourselves this january and that this might hold off any uh, incomings that we might make possibly it's an interesting way of looking at it isn't it we've obviously our first priority this this window's been outgoings with our squad players going and some of our cherished uh, burnley players obviously leaving us and you know over many years and it's a really difficult one but like i don't think burnley expected this deal to happen um, I'd be surprised if they did anyway. So it's kind of one of them where did he go? Well, you know, we'll just wait for a few days and and see actually how much money we have got from this and what market we can go into. I kind of I, I like what Andy was saying before about Barnes. I think it's very romantic to think that Barnes can be our striker for the rest of the season. But uh, me personally, I, I wouldn't trust Barnes if Jay does his knee for the rest of the season. We've got Barnes or Derbysoglu. That's that's not for me personally. I can't lie, just because. Barnes had, he's had, for me, two good games this season. I, I can't see any other games. And I know he's not played a lot, but, uh, yeah, the jury's, you know, and would I want another striker this January transfer window? Yeah, 100%. I think it's actually a, the position that we do need. And I think companies made that very clear in, himself that he, that he does want a striker. Um, so, to answer your question, yeah, it could impact us in times like that. If this does drag on another... 10, 15 days, we'll barely just go, you know what, we're pulling the plug, we can't be bothered, but we could look at it as an opportunity to actually fit right. We can maybe sign a player who we thought was initially out of our price range. I see what you're saying about a strike there, Rich, but I suppose what I'd go back to you with is how 
to what extent would you like a new striker coming in? Because we've seen, obviously, I think we're all big fans of, uh, is it Gukarez? That's how to pronounce it, I hope. I mean, yeah, Andy, you'll have, to, player, you'll, you'll, have to learn, you'll have to learn soon, Andy, how to pronounce that name when we sign him. But he's a good player, but it seems like we're going to be priced out of that deal. I saw on Twitter today that Lyle Thomas of Sky Sports News has said, Bristol City have valued uh, Semenyo, their striker, at £12 million. Now, Rich, is this the kind of money you want to be spending now just for the sake well, of buying back question, the it? You know, me and me mate was in the gym today and was talking about that. Like, it's if the right player is not available, then no, I wouldn't sign him. I, I, don't, I don't see there's a point in signing a player just for the sake of it. And, and I don't think we've done that so far. Um, and, and even under Daesh, I don't think that's ever been Burnley's model, maybe Vegas was the opposite of that, a bit of a panic buy when we didn't buy Wood. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a good example, actually. So, but, uh, but I think there are players out there who will improve us. You look at this Burnley scouting system, I think they will recruit a player who's right for us. I'll throw the question back to you as someone who really does like Barnes. If Rodriguez got injured and couldn't play another minute this season, would you be happy Barnes being our first choice striker for the next? Is there 20, 20 games left, per se? I think I think I think he could do the job, and I think the, the, I think the beauty of but there's a difference and, and, between I, doing a job and know, doing the job properly. Like, do, do you get a plasterer in your house who just does a job? Depends how cheap he is. <laughs> but, but, well, but, but the, I think the beauty of our me. system, as as Andy's alluded to earlier, is that for me the wingers are the, where the, 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 the creme de la creme of this team is, and that's where the goals come from. That's where our attacking threat comes from. Jay, I really Jay don't is, think Jay the is so important, no. No, I, I, I disagree, George. Like, look at when we, we played Stoke and we played Barnes up front. Barnes was so ineffective in that game. As soon as Rodriguez comes on, he starts dropping a little bit deeper, linking with the play, playing that number 10 role. Jay, Jay made that goal against Stoke because he dropped into that position. He allowed Brownell to come forward and then the whole play started from there. So, And then you look at it when, say, Barnes gets it. Okay, Barnes gets injured. You've only got, and then just trust Dervis Oglu. Look what happened when Teller played up front against Sheffield United. So, to me, I wouldn't sign a striker just for the sake of it if they're not good enough. But I've never seen that Semenyo play. So I can't, I don't remember him playing it. Like, from what I've seen of Guy Correct, I do really like him. Um, I thought he was excellent in the game against us. And he's playing in a, you know, we'll all admit this, he's playing in a rubbish Coventry team, isn't he? So, um, yeah, in my listen, football's a game to opinion. And if we did sign a strike, I'm not going to cry about it because I, I still think we'll have enough to get promoted. But I still think it is a position in the squad, whether it's this season or moving forward, we do we do need to address. Please don't cry because think... I've, I've rung Charlie Austin and he says he can come <laughs> and play the odd game when he's not playing for Swindon. So Charlie's coming <laughs> back. He'll be absolutely fine. But if you, if you think about it, your, your, your mate that you... Uh, there's got the injunction against you, Scott Twine. Uh, he, he, he can play. There He's you go. Down, but, He's not a striker. No, but, but him, Teller, Rodriguez, you know, four, uh, or, or all Barnes, and we're not even including Darko Chilinov in this. And I think, I think we'd be all right, to be honest. I think we'd be all right. I mean, lovely when you get a new player, if he fits in. Uh, but uh, I'm not particularly panic-stricken myself. No. Do you, do you do you think there's any positions which are a priority, Andy, to, to make a sign in this January? Or, or are you happy enough just saving saving the, the dollars for when we go up in the summer? I, I've never seen a Burnley team this exciting in my life. Um, you know, we used to 
you go back 20 years and we'd sign one player that might be a bit tricky and you'd go, oh, we've got one player. Watch this. And other than that, you'd go, okay, let's don't let any in. Don't let any in. Whereas now, it's just, you know, keeper's great. Back four's great. Uh, bring on Charlie Taylor. I think he's great. Uh, you know, the midfield's fine. You can interchange between Cork and as we Cullen in a holding role at the weekend. And then you, you bring on Cork and just you change the formation a little bit. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, everywhere on the pitch, I think it's quite lovely. But so any additions would be a cherry on that cake, I believe. Yeah, and I think I think one of the nicest things for me is you've got that new generation of Benson and Zoroas and Tellers, but it is blending with the old the old sort of the old stable stable of you know Cork, Rodriguez, and uh, well Barnes as we've mentioned. I think one thing that we should reflect on just before we do finish is that over the past week or so we've seen Kevin Long depart, Matt Lawton depart, Ashley Westwood go. Rich reflections on those three, their time at the club and whether it was possibly the right move for all parties in all three situations, which I probably personally think it was. Yeah, don't forget Luke Norris, George, the best fourth-choice goalkeeper in the Championship. It's Will uh, Norris as well. Will Norris. Sorry, I don't know who Luke Norris is. He's like a Good old Luke Norris. Day. I love Luke. <laughs> um, Kevin, Kevin Long, you know, every squad needs a Kevin Long, don't they? He's happy to be back up and listen. I don't feel so sorry for him. He's had a very lovely life, I imagine, sitting on the comfy chairs at Turf Moor. And then, you know, you look at Lawton and Westwood, though, in particular, two absolute stalwarts. You know, when you go watching a football match, ultimately, yeah, you want to be entertained, which we are this season, royally entertained. But you just want to see lads wear that claret and blue shirt with blood, sweat and tears, legs, hearts, minds, as Dad, as, as Dice would say. And Lawton and Westwood um, epitomised everything with that. And, you know, and they had a lot of quality. I think it's a, I think Westwood is somebody who I would have liked to have seen to play in this system, I think. Obviously, we all know about that first-time pass he used to hit into the channel, which was, you know, sometimes effective, sometimes frustrating, but was Dyche's in, instructions. And I think there's a, you know, I, I think there was an even better footballer with Westwood, and I think we would have seen that um, with him with him flourishing. But what a but what a move for Westwood, you know, going, you know, taking his family to America for he'll be on a nice contract, and it's good for Louts to, you know, play a bit of football for the rest of the season and hopefully get contracts. So yeah, just. I think that's I think that that said what needs saying. Fantastic players for us who's given us a lot of joy in recent years. And that Matt Lawton goal at Palace is I think it's one that'll be rerun many in, in many a, a years to come. It's just a shame nobody was actually there to witness it in person. Well maybe you was, Andy. I don't know if you was there. I was. Actually. I was. Well there was more than two. You were the lucky one. He was a lucky one. He was. Uh, I was watching it with my dad, so in, in my living room. I I agree with exactly what you say on all three of them. I mean, Kevin Long had, had a good run, but has has to get some exposure somewhere to, to have a chance of playing. You know, he's got no chance of any uh, of any minutes. And uh, and Matt Lowton, in comparison to what's come in, uh, just wasn't going to be as consistent. So was never going to get it. He's done the right <laughs> thing. You know, he just a quick drive over to Huddersfield and see if he can get some uh, uh, something in the window and maybe a move. Uh, in the summer and for Westy I'm delighted for him because he, he should be, have been able to play in this Burnley side but with contracts on the horizon uh, coming back from an injury you're never going to be first choice you're waiting for injuries to other players you run out your contract having not played for the best part of a year and then where the hell do you go next so uh, the stadium in uh, North Carolina uh, Charlotte FC is amazing uh, and what are you know long term contracts I think he's got three years or something uh, it's, a, it's a proper lovely setup 
Uh, and he, he said to me uh, last week, there was a bit of pre-season training going on in Miami. Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> uh, so he, I think he's very happy having had a bit of a chat to him. Uh, so I'm, I'm pleased for all of them. It's the right time. And, and I don't feel bitter uh, as we used to do when players left because it left us in the... Uh, this time they leave with the blessing of everyone and our replacements are more than able. So happy situation all around, I suspect. Well, what a brilliant scoop to end to end up this week's podcast on. Uh, an insight from Ashley Westwood himself. Now, for me personally, Westwood, yeah, you've got that goal against Leicester at home, which was vital yeah. a few seasons ago. Kevin Long, again, at home against Leicester, but that in the 2018 to uh, to secure his European football, re- really, with that win, with that goal at the uh, cricket field end. And then Kevin Long, he's been at Burnley since I was learning how to spell in primary school and now... You know, I'm at university, so he's he's seen things come and go. And uh, I think he put out a lovely message on Instagram yesterday, just thanking the fans and everyone at Burnley for what's been a remarkable journey for both him and and the football club. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, sad goodbyes over the last week. Uh, maybe another one to for Valt Veghorst uh, in the near future. <laughs> maybe less sad from Burnley fans than uh, Basquitas. But that just about wraps us up this week. I'm going to say thanks to Rich for coming on as always managed to sort out his phone in the end and we've we've been able to record incident free and a big thanks to Andy for making what I think is your debut on the No Name Ever podcast. I think it is. I was very, very nervous, but once I saw your ironing board behind you, it calmed me right down. <laughs> you, you knew it wasn't too professional when you saw that and the green was back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks and thanks to the listeners for listening once again. We'll be back with you later on this week for the preview show for Coventry City at home on Saturday. Uh, which promises to be yet another three points, I I personally think. But we'll see, and we'll see you later this week for a preview show. Thanks for listening as always. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker. Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.